Good morning. Let me continue with that theme to just um, celebrate and thank God for the mothers. Let's give them one more big hand for all the moms that are with us in the room. I know some moms travel to come and just be with their daughters. You are from Arkansas, right, mom? Yes, yes, thank you. And other moms, those who are visiting, we are thankful for our mothers. We celebrate you. Remember the times when you cook, you clean, you cuddle, you cry, and here are we. It's a great honor what the Bible says. Moms who go through the difficult time of losing a child, losing a spouse, losing a friend, losing a colleague. Painful. Yesterday we gathered here to celebrate the life of a mom who is now in heaven. And today that brother his daughter, son, and son-in-law. You know, there's a, there's a gap. But there are others who also perform the role of a mother. You know, they mentor, they, 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 they adopt, they foster care, they raise children, they coach, and they do all of these things. So we celebrate you moms and we thank you for what we were doing. And anyone in this room you may not biologically have a child, but you're in a place where you are making a difference. Nurses, teachers, community servants, so thank you. Let me just pray a proud blessing before we get into the word with our moms. Father, we honor you with our mothers in this room today. We honor you, Father, because you bless them with us. Where there's pain, where there's hurt, where there's challenges and difficulties, may you be the God who will meet their needs. We pray for the times of those who will not be celebrating, but we pray that they will anchor on you. So we thank you for all of our mothers, and we thank you for those who are going to be mothers and those who may not. But Lord, may you just feel the space in their lives because you're a kind God. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Another family moment is, I can tell some of you, you get our communication, but if you didn't get our communication, we had just come to the place we've been working on this. We're not there yet. We'll get there that while I'm speaking, you could take off your mask and we could put it down while I'm speaking. And then at the end of that time, so we thank you for understanding and patiently working with us as we make our way through this. So I will inform you later when we'll be able to put them back on and complete the service. I know you already had them off for the communion, so you can keep them off while seated and while I'm speaking here. We'll get there. We are very aware of the governor's um, executive order. We had already been planning to do this this weekend. So that just added on us, uh, moved us on to be able to do that. But we want to be able to examine all of these um, COVID-19 protocols as we go along so that we're able to serve and care for each other. Wherever you stand on this, we love every one of you and we really want us to be able to do this for the praise and glory of God. So we thank you and I appreciate that. Thank you. Well, we are continuing in our series with King David. We just celebrated one of the most momentous times we have in the church, and that is why you call it the Lord's Supper, the Eucharist, the communion. And it is because of the love that God has for us 
that is made clear in that celebration, in the worship we do, and everything. I have a scripture that we look at. It's in Titus chapter 3. And this scripture really points out what we'll be looking at today, kindness, and it reads, but when the kindness and love of God our Father, our Savior appeared, he saved us not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Christ our Savior. God is a generous God. God has really found a way that through what we just celebrated, the broken body and the shed blood for us, that is God's generosity, that is God's love and kindness. And that is for everybody he has done this. We need to embrace that. God himself continued to use this word over and over in the scriptures. And we're going to look at a passage in Exodus. This is from the ESV version. And actually the word hesed, uh, somebody up there knows how to type this. That's a Hebrew word. Everybody, you would learn in a Hebrew word today. Just say hesed. Ah, all right, let's read it in the scripture. The Lord passed before him, Moses, and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord our God, merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and that is hesed, and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands. See, the God, our vertical relationship, is a God who is filled with steadfast, compassionate, gracious love for all of us. So as we've been going through this series, we're looking today at the kindness of God, the steadfast love, the generosity of God. And that's what we're going to see in the story of, of David here, how he was the one who really demonstrated in the story we read today in 2 Samuel, the faithfulness, the steadfast love of God. Now, before we get there, if you've been following us, we've been going through these series, and let me just review some high points that we'll see this word hesed, which is used about 246 times, hesed, in the Old Testament, God's love, God's kindness, and what we can learn from that. But David, as we have been seeing, the, the heart after God, the man after God's own heart. David, we started off by saying the man that was anointed, he was called and God set him apart so that he can be the next king of Israel. He was anointed and called. But David was not yet on the throne in his palace. What was David doing? Because he was called, anointed, set apart, he was just doing what God wanted him to do. We saw the next story that Pastor John Tadonia took us on was he was a man with a bold heart. A heart, heart after God is a very bold heart. And we saw that he slayed Goliath the giant. A bold heart for God, a heart after God, will kill giants. Remember we did all of those, we all showed our giants, and how we can just slay those because of God. Boldness. We also saw that David and Jonathan, they displayed a friendly heart, a trusting heart, but also a friendly heart. Uh, before the trusting heart, a friendly heart, David and Jonathan. The pact, the union that they have, they were friendly because God gave them one purpose in their lives. And then we, last week, we saw with Pastor Kevin took us through a trusting heart. The plan that God had 
for, for David. Nobody could stand in that way. Even though he was always this close to be killed by Saul, he always knew that it was the plan of God. When God calls us on our journey, we are not just sitting and waiting and say, God, when are you going to do this? God calls us in our waiting time is also our preparation time. Our waiting time is time to live in obedience with God. And that is what David was doing. He was just busy about the work. He was not yet ready to get on the throne. So we finish in 1 Samuel. We finish the book of 1 Samuel. We're now coming to 2 Samuel where we see David is still not yet there. So what we see in the first chapter of 1 Samuel here, of 2 Samuel, in the first chapter of 2 Samuel, something sad happens. Saul, who was trying to get rid of King David, there was tra tragedy. He and all his sons, they perished. David did not rejoice after that. A heart after God does not rejoice when wrong happens. We read in, in, in 2 Samuel chapter 1, David lamented the loss of Jonathan and, and Saul. His heart was broken. But we also see in chapter 2 of 2 Samuel, David is still seeking God. And the Bible tells us that he said, what do I do now, God? So he went up to Hebron. Hebron was where he was seated. And also the people of that city they anointed him a second time. You read that in 2 Samuel where it says, he inquired of the Lord and then he went to Hebron, verse three. Then the men of Judah came from Hebron and anointed King David over the tribe of Judah. He's waiting, he's preparing. And then what does he do? Chapter five, we read again that David was also anointed by all of the elders of Judah in chapter 5 of 2 Samuel verse 3. When all the elders of Israel had come to King David at Hebron, they anointed him three times. He's seeking the place of God. David had this deep relationship with God that even though God was leading him to where he's going, the next thing we see that David had a great passion for God. He was a man who deeply wanted to love God and he expressed it. In chapter 6, we see that David went and brought the Ark of the God, or the Ark of the Covenant, to dwell in the city of David, Jerusalem, the city of David that he had conquered. He brought the Ark of God at that time that represented the presence of God. God was confirming, God was affirming David's call to be the king. So he's, he's very satisfied and settled. You will know that chapter 7 is really the key verse when you read First um, and Second Samuel, Kings and Chronicles, we come to chapter 7. It's an anchor chapter. It's an anchor chapter because there we see God establish his forever covenant with David. God established this, what we call the Davidic covenant with David in that chapter. He sent his pastor, the pastor of, um, of David was actually called Pastor Nathan. He established him. And he said, tell David, I will establish your covenant forever and ever as the king. David was just a figure of the greater grandson that was come, King Jesus, who will be the king that will reign and the rule and no other king. But Jesus Christ himself was, it will be established from the line of David. So that was David's heart of God. So we come to chapter 
chapter 9 today. David is settled in his palace. He's the king, not going to war. He has conquered. God has established his covenant. And now he's going to experience God in a different way. If you're able, will you please stand with me as I read 2 Samuel chapter 9. If you're able and I have your copy of your scriptures in person or online, I will be reading 2 Samuel chapter 9. David asked, is there anyone still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now there was a servant of Saul's household named Ziba. They summoned him to appear before David the king and said to him, are you Ziba? At your service, he replied. The king asked, is there no one still alive from the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness? Ziba answered the king, there is still a son of Jonathan. He is lame in both legs. Where is he? The king asked. Ziba answered, he is at the house of Machir, son of Amiel in Ladubar. So King David had him brought from Ladubar, from the house of Micaiah, son of Amiel. When Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to pay him honor. David said, Mephibosheth, at your service, he replied. Don't be afraid, David said to him, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore to you all of the land that belonged to your grandfather Saul, and you will always eat at my table. Mephibosheth bowed down and said, what is it, your servant, that you should notice a dead dog like me? Then the king summoned Ziba, Saul's steward, and said to him, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and your servants are to farm the land for him and bring in the crops so that your master grandson may be provided for. And Mephibosheth, grandson of your master, will always eat at my table. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Then Ziba said to the king, your servant will do whatever my lord the king commands his servant to do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. Mephibosheth had a, a young son named Micah, and all the members of Ziba's household were servants of Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem because he always ate at the king's table. He was lame in both feet. Father, now we ask that you will take your word, we will understand, and we will apply it to our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. I'm going to go back a little bit and give you this word we just look at, hesed, which is a kind heart. It has a couple of meanings that come out at our text. And we can look at those words and say, what does hesed, what does this word mean for us? And there are a couple of ways it is said. It's mean loving kindness that seeks the good of the covenant partner, God and us. Enduring covenant love that does not break its promise. And steadfast love between people towards God, as well as of love or mercy towards humanity. So Hesed, as we're going to see in this passage here, it's a love we have for God, a vertical love and a horizontal love. 
Oh, that God will let us be people after his heart who will show Hesed love. Let's look at some lessons we can learn from David here. The first thing we can see that King David's kind heart forgives and fulfills a promise. So what did David do? In the first five verses, we see here that David was inquired and invited Mephibosheth. You know, names have meaning. He's named David, and one of you named David here or there, beloved. But the, the name Mephibosheth means shame. Shame and dishonor. He wasn't somebody that David would be thinking about. Extreme opposites in their names. So how does David inquire? He inquired because David had this Christian value of showing hesed. David had this value of knowing that God is kind to me. I will be kind to someone else. So we read here, he says, is there anyone from the household of Saul that I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? So David is inquiring, and when he found this guy named Ziba, I just like, anybody here named Ziba out there? You know, strange name. Ziba was a faithful servant to Saul, and now he was a servant with um, the, the son, the grandson of Saul, uh, Mephibosheth. So he's invited us, oh yeah, I know somebody. But this is the way Ziba describes the grandson. You read in verse, end of verse three, he is lame in both feet. Well, he doesn't call his name Mephibosheth. He says it's lame in both feet. Well, how did this happen? Well, we read also in, in, in 2 Samuel here, chapter 4, when the enemies were destroyed and they were running away, Mephibosheth was just five years old. And so the nurse wanted to show kindness and picked up this boy, Mephibosheth, and was running and dropped the, ball, the boy. He fell and broke both legs. That is how he became lame. Because they were afraid of the enemy coming to wipe them out. And so they hid. They went to the back woods, to the back country. For years, nobody knew of the son of Jonathan, the grandson of Saul. Because in that culture at that time, they would destroy their enemy. But David is inquiring, who is there? It says also in verse, uh, in verse 7, anyone that I can show kindness to from the house of Jonathan Saul. David was a man after God's own heart. He's showing kindness. He doesn't know. And so they bring him. David is forgiving Saul, who wanted to kill him, and his enemy, but he had love for him. David is also showing here that there was a promise. So he's fulfilling a promise. Many times when Saul was going after David, he couldn't get him and he just gave up. Saul just gave up. And you know what Saul said to David? You could read that in 1 Samuel chapter 24, verse 16. Saul said to David, please, when you get on the throne, don't destroy my family. Show kindness to my family. So David is going to do that, even though you wanted to kill me. But also, David and Jonathan, they had a pact. They had had an agreement. Friendly love that Pastor Rob talked about in 1 Samuel chapter 20, that he, David had said, I will show kindness to your family. David remembered the promise he had made. He fulfills this promise and invites Mephibosheth to come. La Dubar, the name of that city, is just way out there, no pasture land. 
There was nothing in that place. So the shame, the loneliness, the least, the hurt that somebody like Mephibosheth had, I will never come to Jerusalem to the king's house. Don't we learn that those who are different and far from us, those who are not included, we should be inquiring, we should be inviting them to be part of us. You know, we live in a culture today, kindness is something different. Oh, that God will make us men and women who will show kindness to others, inquire others who are far from God that they need to experience God's kindness. Maybe give them a call. I hope that's not a call from somebody you need to show kindness. But show kindness to somebody today. Mom's, Mother's Day will be a great day to remember to where I can be able to say, I know somebody I need to be kind to, inquire and invite and forgive those who may have hurt you. David, a man after God's own heart. Next in verses six to eight, we see that King David, his kind heart is full of Mercy and grace. You know, um, grace is all over the story of David. And the mercy is that this is what you deserve, but you're not going to get it. But grace is unmerited, undeserved favor. And how does David show unmerited favor, grace and mercy? He preserved and protected the family line of Saul. You know, he says in verse 6, when Mephibosheth arrived... He was scared to be in the king's presence because in that culture and, 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 and time, you wipe out your enemy, like I said. So Mephibosheth thought, oh, I'm the last one. I'm going to be before the king. They're just going to wipe me out. So he bows down to show respect. His shame is in front of honor, but he wanted to show respect to the king. But how does David show that? He is preserving, he is protecting the line of Saul. He's not going to revenge. He's not going to pay back. I don't like what you do. I'm just going to pay back. What did he do? This is what David says in verse 7. Don't be afraid, for I will surely show you kindness, Hesed, for the sake of your father Jonathan. I will restore to you all of the land that belonged to your grandfather Saul, and you will always eat at my father's table. Bowing down, respecting, but David coming back and said, hey, listen, I am not going to kill you. I'm going to preserve your line. It's not vengeance. It's not making it equal. Oh, may we be people who show the, the, the kindness of God by being able to show grace and mercy to those who are far away from us. May we be able to show this kindness even to our enemies. May we be able to show the mercy and kindness that David clearly shows a kind heart, longing for that heart, longing for that heart that it will be show mercy, preserving, protecting others, the list. You know, I have a picture uh, that I can show you of Mephibosheth um, when he arrived in David. So he arrived there, you know, we see the picture with his crutches right before the king. And bowing down and showing respect, the king is showing, I will protect you. I will preserve your line. I'm going to show mercy and kindness for the house of Saul. Who do you remember this Mother's Day that you may have caused pain and hurt and differences? Maybe in your own family line, maybe in your friends or relatives. 
that kindness is needed. Who are you going to be protecting? Lots of vulnerable children, men and women. You know, in the walk of the gospel, we see it all over the world where we need to protect the least of these, the lonely ones. David, a man after God's own heart, preserved and protected and eating at his table. The third thing we see here is King David's kind heart is generous and faithful. We read that he says in verse 7 to Mephibosheth, he says in verse 7, you will always eat at my table. I will give everything that belongs. Eating at the king's table a provision, that is so amazing. Can you just imagine in the palace of King David, a huge dining or banquet room, it's time for the meal, and all the sons of David, you know, he was one man who disobeyed in other areas, we'll see that next week, but he had all these children, all this household, but who is coming to dinner on the crutches is Mephibosheth. The kindness he's providing from him, his generosity, and he says, everything that belongs to Saul, I will give you. God is a generous God. He's made all the provision that we saw in the, in the ceremony of the Lord's table that we celebrated. The kindness of God is for all people. The generosity of God is not going to give us what we deserve, but God is going to come in love and kindness and reach out to us through Jesus Christ. Oh, that God will let us be generous people. You know, the kingdom work that God has called us to do is a work that really goes with generosity. And believers who know, who love Jesus, even for Northland Church, you give your tithes, your offerings, your services, so that God's work will continue. continue. That's the generosity of God. That's the kindness of God that is demonstrated. Kindness of God is generosity, and how faithful are we? We can show kindness in many other areas. We can always be looking for people who caught you in traffic, or who don't do the right thing they do if you have your COVID restriction. Show kindness and love. Either way, God is the model of our kindness. So we see here that David not only showed mercy and forgives and is faithful to the promise that he had made, but we also see David is the one that protected. David is the one that preserved. What is it, a heritage in your own Christian family that by kindness you are going to be able to preserve? You know, Mother's Day is a great weekend to start a tradition, a habit, to be able to start to show kindness and generosity. You can mark it back to that day like David for him. It was to Mephibosheth. And that kindness, we always continue in God's kingdom. When we talk about hesed, this word we have used today to talk about kindness, the hesed, the kindness of God, you can show it in many areas. You know, I just heard from someone between services, even his Bible study group is some people who are away, never met them. They're in Canada, right? My brother, your Bible study groups are way in Canada. Different people, but just because of virtual studies, uh, they are able to show kindness to people and they are seeing the transformation in the lives of individuals, the kindness of God. A couple of uh, months ago, we, Pastor Sean was preaching here about kindness from the book of Ruth. That is one amazing Bible book that you could clearly see the kindness of God. We saw that um, Naomi had left his hometown 
and he had gone from Bethlehem. He left Bethlehem and went to Moab, Moab, the, the place of his enemies. No bread in the house of Bethlehem, the house of bread. No bread and lost everything. And as she was coming back with these two daughters-in-law, husband died, then sons died. But as she was coming back, this is what she said to those two uh, women in Ruth chapter 1 verse 8. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. Hesed. Can you imagine someone like that showing kindness? And there are two other times she mentioned to them about the kindness. Chapter 2, verse 20. And this is what she says. The Lord bless him. Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, he has not stopped showing his kindness. So she's talking about the, the vertical kindness of God to these young ladies and said, God is alive, he will always show kindness. And in chapter three, verse 10, she said, the Lord bless you, my daughters. This kindness is greater than you have taught. This is the one that was said by even in Boaz in this, inter, in this transaction. Kindness of God. How are we going to experience kindness to your family members, to your children, your children's children? God's kindness for the first way we should accept God's kindness is to be able to put our faith in action. If we really believe in God, we should be able to put our faith in action. So here are a couple of quick steps that you could take as we live today and remember the kindness of God. That if you have a kind heart, and there's a kind heart that you show to God, here are a couple of things you can do. You could say, the kind of receive God's kindness by faith and action, by trusting Jesus if you've never trusted him, by saying, God, you love me, your kindness has come to me. May I receive that kindness by believing and trusting Jesus. Or if you're a believer, may you start to take a step to show the kindness of God wherever. Be steadfast and the promises to provide and to protect. Moms, that's why we remember you. Your promise to care, to protect. All women who provide and care for us, who show generosity. May we be consistent and steadfastly showing those, those love that we have. Show grace and mercy to others that you think is difficult. The kindness of God can flow. But you have to receive it, experience it, and be able to take it back into the life of others. Faithfully, walking in the steps of a kind God. It says in the scripture in Galatians 5 that even the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, forbearance, and kindness. Believers, let us pray that God's kindness is received and is delivered for others. As we wrap this time up, we're going to be singing about the favor and the blessing and the mercy of God. As we receive that which is a great mark of Christians, a distinctive of believers, as we hear that song and as we sing, may we be people ready to live here today and show the favor, the goodness, the kindness. Please join me in prayer as you stand. And as you stand, if you don't mind, you can put your mask on as I close us in prayer. Father, we stand before you. We may have failed you in many areas, 
in not receiving your kindness. Gracious Father, may your love, may your kindness come fill our hearts. Father, we pray for this day that those who may never have trusted you, they will know that you are kind to them. Maybe through their mothers, their sisters, and any woman who's shown kindness in their lives. And Father, we pray for us who know the kindness of God. May we be people who are ready and willing to show the kindness of God. Come now, Lord, as we declare this in Jesus' name. Amen.